Welcome to the Dayspring Audio Library, the teaching ministry of Pastor Daniel Rehoff. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will have a powerful impact on your life. So sit back and enjoy today's time in the Word. So I want to kind of continue. Last week we talked about Gaza. Remember, like, where's Gaza in the Bible? Because it's like, oh, is that in the Bible? Is it part of prophecy? So we kind of answered a lot of questions. I want to keep pushing on that subject a little bit tonight and talk about Hamas. I want to really explain to you Hamas and what it is and what it isn't. Um, a little bit of, of, of kind of current events here, and then let's talk about some Bible part of that too. And then I kind of want to talk about um, the big argument with that is that the Jews stole the land from the Palestinians, from the Arabs. So we're going to answer that question. Did the Jews take the land? All right, so let's kind of answer. So we've got a lot of questions to answer, and we don't have a whole lot of time to talk about it. So let's just start off. We're going to dig right into it. Hopefully you can take some notes. Do you have a worksheet tonight? Is there like a Bible sheet? Is there blanks on that probably soon? Oh, okay, good. Excellent. Take some notes anyways. It's just good. Uh, Hamas, H-A-M-A-S. Hamas is a word that was formed originally from an acronym. Uh, put the acronym up here, and I'll do my best to, to do my best in Arab. Um, Harakat al-Makwamami al-Islamiyah. So, I actually know two languages now. I know English and I know Arab. I know one word in Arab, and that is Hamas. So, it's the acronym for that word, which is the Arab for Islamic Resistance Movement. Okay? So, the word Hamas is a word that they made from an acronym from what it is, the Islamic Resistance Movement. Now, this is interesting. And, and I want you to get this because I want you to understand the culture, okay? Uh, in Arabic, the word Hamas means, in Arabic, it means zeal, strength, or bravery. Zeal, strength, or bravery. That's what it means in Arabic. So uh, people started using the English acronym Hamas, um, and they connected it to the Arabic uh, meaning. So the reason I tell you that is because of this. So when an Arab refers to themselves, now think about this, when they refer to themselves in Hamas, or talk about Hamas when they're speaking in Arabic, when they refer to themselves, they hear, this is what they hear, they hear zeal, strength. That's what they hear. So a Palestinian hears the word Hamas, they hear zeal, strength, bravery. That's what, that's what it means to them. Now, this is where it gets, it, it doesn't get tricky, but this is where English-speaking people and, unfortunately, Christians have gone this way. Um, in Hebrew, there's a very similar-sounding word, the word Hamas, um, and uh, it's in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 6, but uh, that word is translated in Hebrew, violence, cruelty, unrighteous, and injustice, or injustice. So Hamas in the Bible, or Hamas in Hebrew, is violence, cruelty, unrighteousness, and injustice. It was the word that was referring to the violence that filled the earth before the flood. Genesis chapter 6, look at verse 10. And Noah begat three sons, so this is before the flood, this is what the story is, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Who are the three sons? Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Verse 11. The earth also was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with 
Hamas. That is the Hebrew word there, Hamas. But it's, it's not the Hamas that the Arabic people use when they're talking about uh, the acronym for the, the uh, resistance movement, but this is the Hebrew word uh, that, uh, again, a Hebrew person, a Jewish person, is the word for violence, cruelty, unrighteous, and injustice, okay? So the earth was filled with injustice and violence and cruelty. So, so think about this. When, when someone who speaks Hebrew, like a Jewish person, hears the word Hamas, they're hearing violence, cruelty, unrighteousness, and injustice, right? You see how this is different? So if you're living in Jerusalem and you hear Hamas, you're an English-speaking person, right? We'd associate with that. You hear that because uh, it's in the Bible, right? But when the Arab uh, people use it, they're not referring to the Bible at all. They're referring to the acronym that uh, part of the resistance movement, and they're hearing bravery and strength and victory. So two different people are hearing the same word, but they're hearing it totally different, totally different meaning to them. So, so then that kind of goes into the next question. Well, let's talk about uh, Abraham. And, and what about Abraham? What about Hagar's son, Ishmael? Uh, did God eternally curse Ishmael's descendants to be wild? Now, I'm just going to caution us <laughs> as, as Bible students here at Dayspring Baptist Church. Um, this is the book that we're using. Amen? Okay. Um, there is a lot of weird theories out there and a lot of weird things. Um, I grew up and I heard an evangelist say this when I was a kid. I don't even remember his name, but I remember hearing about this. I remember just kind of being, hmm. I heard it again this week by a very prominent uh, preacher. It really caused me to pause for a second and, oh, uh, I called some of my other pastor friends, Dr. Tom Kakuza, and some of my pastor friends that are really, you know, really, really good at the Bible. I said, can we talk about this? Because I thought this was dead news, but apparently it's not. Um, some people bring, you know, the story of Abraham and Hagar into this whole thing of the Arab race, and, and are they cursed? Let, let's just talk about that. In case you don't know the story, I want to just bring you up to date. So there's a guy in the Bible, his name is Abraham, all right? And, and you know the story. He's married to a wife named Sarah, right? They're promised a child. They're pushing 100 years old, and there is no kid coming. There's no kid. There's no kid. And, and you know, God tells Abraham, listen, you're going to have a child. He's going to be the father of many nations. It's going to be a great thing. Uh, he's going to be the father of the Jewish people, right? And there's no child. So Sarah, the wife, uh, gets it in her mind that, well, I know God wants us to have a child through Abraham, and I know he's going to be you know, the father of these nations. Well, it must not be me because I'm too old. So here's a good idea. This just sounds like a great idea, doesn't it? This is a great idea. Abraham, honey, husband, why don't you sleep with the maid? And why don't you have a child with the maid? Now, pause. Doesn't that just sound brilliant? I mean, well, who, <laughs> what are you thinking? Let's just sleep with the handmaid, and maybe the child's supposed to come through the maid. What? <laughs> Some people say the Bible is boring. This is better than any daytime soap opera, you know, or, 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 or drama series on television. This is better than, the, you know, the old Dallas TV shows or the intrigue and, you know, scandal. Uh, so, so um, there, pause. We could have a whole message on this. There's something to be said about patience. God didn't say when. We're going to have a child. I, I get it. You're 100 years old. You're pushing 100 years old. <laughs> Better hurry. I'm going to die, you know. Um, but he did promise it. So sit tight, you know, relax. Sooner or later, you know, but it's not your timing. It's God's timing. So anyway, so it's bizarre. Abraham sleeps with the maid and the handmaid, and, 
and they have this illicit relationship, you know, and then the child that's born, his name is Ishmael, okay? So it's still Abraham's son, right? But it's not Sarah's son. It comes later. Abraham and Sarah then have a baby afterwards, and the son's name is Isaac. Now that, just pause for a moment. Just imagine that day when Sarah says, I'm having a baby. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> We messed up. <laughs> you know, can you imagine her just going, oh, I should have just waited. Oops. Um, I, just, I just think the story is just, it's just bizarro crazy. Genesis chapter 16, verse 11. <laughs> I'm not minimizing it, but I could just imagine, them, you know, Abraham going, why did I listen? You know. Genesis 16, 11. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, behold, thou, this is talking to, to the handmaid, uh, Hagar. Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and shalt call his name Ishmael. So this is the son of Abraham and Hagar. Because the Lord hath heard thy affliction, verse 12, and he, so who? Ishmael. And Ishmael will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all of his brethren. So just pause for a moment, and let's just take the Bible for what it says. The Bible says that who's going to be a wild man? Ishmael. And it says that, that who's going to, Who's going to be against every person? Ishmael. And every man's going to be against who? Ishmael. Does it say in the scriptures that the descendants of Ishmael also will be wild? It doesn't say that. It says he's going to be a problem. That's all it says. So don't, don't add words. It's not there. Don't, don't say that. You know, the Arabs, uh, the, the Arabs, they're not descendants of Ishmael in general. Okay? They're not. Um, now, I want you to understand this, and this is where this comes from. The Quran, which is the Muslim scriptures, okay, the Quran, the Quran, as well as Muhammad, the Muslim leader, they connect the uh, Arabic people exclusively to Ishmael. So if you were to read the Quran, the, the Muslim holy book, you would say, it would say, the Arab people are exclusively from Ishmael. That's where that comes from. The Arabs say, Okay, the, the Muslims say Arabs are from Ishmael. Church, that's not the Bible. When you say that, you are promoting Islamic theology. It's not the Bible. It's just not. Well, my pastor said, or I had an evangelist say it. That's nice, but it's not in the Bible. It's just not there. The Quran pushes that. Muhammad pushes that. The Muslims push that. It doesn't mean it's right. It just means that that's what they're pushing. Uh, Jews and Arabs are, are actually descendants, they're all descendants from Shem, um, uh, Noah's memory had the son, so Shem. From Shem, great-grandson, way down the line, is Abraham. Um, I read a study that was just uh, three years ago, in 2020, they were doing DNA studies, and, and this, because this has come up over the years, over and over again, but now, you know, DNA is more advanced, and so they can trace things back and go back, you know, more uh, in time. Uh, and this study, a secular study was done. It said that the DNA from, from early uh, Jews as Arabs as, as well uh, put both of them is about 50% in connection to ancient Philistines and Canaanites. They're saying this, that, that the Jews and the Arabs are more from the Philistine and the Canaanites than they would be actually just from Ishmael himself. So they're not seeing, they're not seeing well, the Arabs are way over here with the DNA and the Jews are way over here. They're saying, you know what? They're all, 50% of them are coming from the Philistines and the Canaanites, so there, there's no split. They're not saying, well, no, there's definitely a break. Um, 
Remember this, Abraham had other sons, he had other children. Sarah dies, and remember, Abraham gets married again. There's other, there's other wives, there's, there's, wives, there's other kids uh, coming along. And so, so we can't say, I just don't think as Christians we can't say, the Arabs are from Ishmael. No, we can say the Jews uh, are from Isaac. Okay, we just, you can't trace that back because it's just not Bible, guys. We're putting words that just aren't there. So did God eternally curse Ishmael's descendants to be wild? Well, he didn't. Uh, genetically, they can't even, you couldn't even say that. To, to say that, uh, to be honest with you, is racist, okay? You just, you can't say that. You just, it's just not right. So then you say, well, pastor, why are the Arabs, why are the people in Gaza, why are they like what they are? Why are they just fighting and why is it terrible? Well, here's my two cents on it. Uh, I don't think that they're they're genetically caused to be like this. I think, here's what I'm, I'm going to say. I think it's cultural uh, and environmental, their views, their worldview, what they've grown up with, what they've been exposed to, their habits. Um, for instance, how about this? Let's, let's give an example. Someone give me a character trait that people would know about Italians. What's something that Italians do a lot? What's something that Italians do? Polysu. Talk with their hands, all right. Yeah, and they're dramatic, right? <laughs> they like drama, right? So, Italians are talking with their hands. Okay, is that genetic? Are they born with that? What are they, you know, no, no. Why do, why do we say Italians talk with their hands? Because grandma talked with their hands, and auntie talked with their hands, and mama talked with their hands, and daddy talked with his hands, and what they saw, what they heard, their worldview was everyone talks with their hands. Prove a point. You have a baby who's Italian, let's just say he's 100% Italian, you take that baby and you move him to Texas and you have him grow up on a ranch with a Texas family, is he going to talk with his hands? No. He's going to have a Texas accent, he's going to wear a 10-gallon cowboy hat, he's going to ride a horse, you won't even know he's Italian, I just, except maybe he likes pizza or something, but, but you wouldn't know that. Uh, have you ever seen like um, uh, an Indian family that's grown up in Texas? I've met them before. They're Indian, and you're just expecting to hear, you know, an Indian accent, and hey, how y'all doing? And you're going, huh? You know, it doesn't match the whole look and the tone and the skin color. You know, it just doesn't look like it, uh, because that's just what culturally what we expect, but um, they just do that because that's what they've been exposed to. Um, the, the, the Arab people, and, and we'll zoom in a little bit of the people in Gaza, um, they They've been exposed to their whole life seeing and hearing and talking about, we hate the Jews. We're stuck, pardon the French, but in this hellhole of Gaza because of the Jews. The Arabs, the, God, the people in Gaza were told right before the attack that the Jews had destroyed the Alaska Mosque, which is like the Dome of the Rock. That's part of the reason that they got going. They had heard that it had been destroyed. We could go online right now and prove that. I mean, right, just the live cameras on the Dome of Rock and the Western Wall. It's not destroyed. But that's what they've grown up with their whole life. The Jews just ruined the Alaska Mocks. Let's go take them out. That's all that they've had. Uh, the issue is spiritual wickedness. That's what the problem is of Islam. It's not Abraham's actions with Hagar. They didn't create a wild race that's prejudiced, that's racist. Spiritual wickedness is the issue, not the descendants of Shem. Uh, take a look at Acts chapter 17, verse 26. Acts chapter 17, verse 26. And hath made of one blood all the nations of men for to dwell in the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed 
and the bounds of their habitation. The Bible says, God says, we are all one blood. There is not some rate, well, we're all one blood, but there's the accursed group over there. They're like a, they're an alien or something. No, it's not true. It's just not what the Bible says. The Bible says this. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 6. Look at verse 12. The Bible says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Church, this is not the problem, right? The flesh and blood, what country I was born in, what language I speak, the color of my skin is not the problem. What do we wrestle against? We wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. We're not battling human beings. Uh, uh, people don't hate the Jewish people because of their flesh, because of their skin color. They're anti-Semitic because of the spiritual wickedness, because of sin nature. You hate the Jews because of your sin nature. You hate an African-American person because your sin nature. You hate a white person because your sin nature. That's the problem. It's a spiritual issue. Uh, if you grew up like those people did in, in those lands, you know, in Gaza, you'd be indoctrinated that the Jews hate you. Uh, the Jews are keeping you there. Um, like I said, the Jews blew up the Temple Mount. The Jews want to kill you. And, and from a child, from a child, from, from preschool and kindergarten, your workbooks, your school books talk about how bad the Jews are. Kill the Jews, kill the Jews. Church, think for a minute. Think about the religion. Think about uh, someone who's a Muslim, okay? Think about what Muhammad promised these men. Think about it. What are you promised? 72 virgins, and it's legal. That's all you know. Forget morality. Throw all that out the window. Forget your wife. Forget your kids. All I know is if, if, if I go into a holy war and I kill a Jew... I got 72 girlfriends waiting for me in heaven. Okay, put that, as bizarre as that sounds, that's what you know. I mean, that's what you've been taught. And, and that's what, for the rest of eternity, that's what you're going to have if I kill a Jew. And over and over and over again, that is your worldview. Now, we all have a worldview, guys. We all have a worldview. Uh, I'll tell you what our worldview here is at Dayspring. It's pretty simple. Go into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel. I want our kids from this age all the way up to learn, mom and dad, listen, to learn to have a passion for the gospel. That's what I want. We're teaching them over and over and over again, passion for the gospel. Go win the loss, win the loss, passion for the gospel. I want our kids to grow up and all they saw and all they hear was passion for the gospel. So that what? When they grow up and they get older, all they're going to have is a passion for the gospel. Yes, we have an agenda. We're trying to raise people that are passionate about telling people about Jesus. Well, uh, the, the Arabs, they have that same passion, but it's to hate the Jews. Um, church, don't forget, uh, an Arab person can get saved just like anybody else can. An Arab person can make a choice to do the good thing or do the bad thing, just like anybody else can, right? Um, an, Arab, an Arab person can get saved. God can work in their life. An Arab person doesn't have to be violent. It's not like, well, I don't have a choice. Uh, we all make a choice. We all stand before God. Uh, where they live in Gaza... It's an extremely dark place. Um, like I said last week, and maybe, I, I'm not saying there isn't. I'm just saying I don't know about it. Um, is, there, is there some good Bible teaching church in Gaza? I, I honestly don't know. I, I hope there is. I, I, I truly don't know. Maybe, maybe one of you know. Maybe you get an email from someone. I don't know. Uh, is the gospel at all present anywhere in that entire strip of land? I don't know. I just, I just don't know. Um, it's, it's extremely dark. It's extremely dark and crowded and poor. 
Um, and, and just what's happening is demonic. You know, you talk about what happened, uh, what, two weeks ago. You know, that uh, last I heard, there were 40 infant babies that were beheaded. If, if you can cheer about babies being beheaded, that's demonic, right? I mean, I, I, that's not war. That's not, that's not oops. You know, we had a car accident. There's a problem. So, so just be listening. Be aware of the false narrative that Hamas is a victim um, just watch out for that. I got a picture. You've seen this, this, this in these colleges, uh, protests taking place. Resistance is not terrorism. Th- this is happening all over our country. Interesting. Because we're free, you can do that. And the police and the government have to protect your right to protest this. But we're not against Arab people. Of course not. We're against Hamas as an organization that's a terrorist organization. But, but keep your eyes on that, that narrative that's going out. The narrative is changing really fast and, and the news cycle, how it goes. But then that question then keeps coming up. So, well, do the Palestinians really own the land? Do the Palestinians own the land? Uh, why are the Jews there? Well, it's not true that they were removed from the land. Uh, this, this war that's taking place, by the way, is not the war of Gog and Magog. We talked about that. But I do believe this is a theological conflict. Because Hamas, like I said, is ultra-radical Muslim. That's what it is. Uh, let me say this too about, about Hamas, just so you kind of get a little bit of their teachings and you understand the ultra-radical Muslim. Their eschatology is, so eschatology is a study of the future. You know, we have our eschatology in the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, we study future events. Their eschatology is that when they are in open conflict with the Jews... If, if, if the Muslim people get engaged with an open conflict with the Jews, uh, the sooner and the, and the worse and the more of it, um, their Messiah will come in a time of open conflict. So they call it the Mahdi, M-A-D-A, uh, M-A-D-A, the Mahdi. The Messiah, the Mahdi will come when they're in open conflict with the Jews. Think of that mindset. If I die, I get 72 virgins. If we start this open conflict, the sooner we do it, the sooner our Messiah is coming. Go kill the Jews. Do you see what that mind? That's the religion. That's what they believe. That's what it is. So just don't forget that. So were the Palestinians pushed out of the land? Absolutely not. No way. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Tel Aviv, just to kind of, we talked about Israel getting in the land. I'm not going to go into Ezekiel again. But um, I've been to Tel Aviv about 14 times or so. The city, uh, it's about 75 years old. Before, um, before Israel became a nation in 1948, when the Jews started kind of showing back up in the early 1800s, Tel Aviv was nothing more than a desert. The city next to Tel Aviv, the city of Jaffa, Jaffa, was the big city at the time, okay, right along the border there uh, on the Mediterranean. And, and, and Tel Aviv was really nothing more than a, a desert town. But history has it, this is not hearsay, it's not gossip, it's in the history books, that in the 1800s, Jews started to buy up the land that is now known as Tel Aviv. It was purchased, it was bought. Church, we moved here at this land and we bought it, we legally own these 36 acres. Well, if you have Jews coming in and they're slowly moving back to Israel, they start buying up this land right outside the city of Jaffa, you know, they buy it, next thing you know, all these Jews own all this desert land, all this farmland right on the water, and uh, uh, they start to develop it, they build this colony, they start to expand upon it, and the purchased land, uh, so after 1948, when Israel became a nation, really kind of becomes the homeland, because it's the most populated place where the Jews are. So in 1948, when Israel becomes a, a nation again, they had already owned this much land, the Jews, that kind of became the hub. 
So Tel Aviv went from nothing to everything like overnight. Um, Tel Aviv is a stunning city. It's, it's as modern as anything you'd ever imagine. And, and, and all the, you know, the property lines got moved around. You know, think about World War II. Um, after World War II, an awful lot of property lines got moved around. Think about Europe and, and all those kind of things like this. Well, the property lines kind of got moved around there, and people were owning more land. And, and, and Israel, as you know, becomes a nation because by fiat of the United Nations, the agreement of the United Nations, the only good thing the United Nations has ever done. But the Jews start to return there. They start to develop it. Uh, we know that from the Bible, we don't have to study it, but, but God gave that land to the Jewish people. But, but like we're just talking about the land of Tel Aviv, the city of Tel Aviv. It wasn't stolen from anybody. It was purchased. There's deeds. It was, there's proof of it. The whole area was bought by Jewish people. Uh, archaeology proves that over and over again. Um, the Temple Mount. So we talked a little bit about the Temple Mount this morning. The Temple Mount. Um, so you have the, the Dome of the Rock, and, and it's, it's technically managed by the Arabs, by the Palestinians, okay, but it's secured by the Jews. So it's a very interesting relationship there. Um, here's what you can't do in Israel, just so you know. You can't do this. You can't go pick up a shovel in Israel and start digging. You, you, will, have, you will have the Mossad on you like, like nothing. Uh, I remember, Amy, do you remember we were in Israel, I don't know, years ago, we were probably just getting out of college at the time, and we were walking, um, it wasn't by Jaffa, where were we? We were by the sea, uh, by, uh, remember the garbage dump there along the side of the waterway? What am I thinking? Uh, Capernaum, uh, not Capernaum, um, way up on the north side there. Well, we were walking by the, by the ocean there, by the, by, so by the Mediterranean, sorry, and we were touring, and there's a hill here next to me, and we were on the beach, um, and we were walking, and there's like, like a cliff. And I remember just kind of looking, and it's like, there's pottery in here. It, it was a garbage dump. <laughs> and I have, and I have it today, like a half of a vase from, I don't know from, you know. It was probably Adam and Eve's vase. I don't know what it was, but, but it was a garbage dump, like from New Testament times. All right, and I just was kind of starting to dig, and me and my friend were like, well, that's pretty big. Got a whole handle on it and everything like that. And the guide's like, if you take that back and they catch you, like, that's a really big deal. I mean, that's fines, that's imprisonment. You can't just go digging. So I took it, and I put it in Amy's suitcase. <laughs> Unfortunately, she got through. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I was digging the garden. But you can't do it. Why can't you just dig? Why can't you go to the Temple Mount today and just dig? A few years back, the Arabs were digging in the southern part of the temple. The Jews were so upset by them doing it because they weren't doing it, you know, like a museum would do it. Um, because every time they dig, especially in the Temple Mount area, um, what they find is this. They find proof of ancient, ancient Jewish culture and ancient Jewish uh, uh, presence. So the Jews don't want the Arabs digging anywhere by the Temple Mount or any of the Alaska Mosque because there's proof that the Jews own the land and the Jews know that the Arabs are taking it and they're really throwing it away. Guys, all I know is that one year we were there, the whole wall was, was covered with scaffolding because it was ready to cave in and there were skid loaders there and the, the Arabs were just digging like madmen underneath. They were going underneath the, the temple mound there underneath that corner and there was walls and the Jews were so mad that they were doing it. What do you think they got? I mean, honestly, what do you think they found? I don't know. But whatever it was, those Arabs sure didn't want the Jews to see what it was that they found. But anytime they dig, they, they're finding proof through the garbage that there was Palestinian or there was Jewish people here. Obviously, we know the temples were there. There's no question about that. 
but, but Israel, as we know, becomes a nation in 1948. And here's what's interesting. The, the, the Jews offered the Arabs, and maybe you don't realize this, but at the time they became a state, they became a nation, the Jews offered all the Arabs 100%, 100% full residency. You can have 100% citizenship with us, the Jewish people, in the nation of Israel. Um, thousands of them took it. So if we talk about the area called the West Bank, the West Bank, a lot of that's filled with Arabs that have full Jewish or full Israeli citizenship. They can vote, they can, they can drive cars, they can travel where they want to, they can start businesses, they pay taxes, they can vote. You can be an Arab living in Israel and have full 100% privileges just like any Jewish person was, uh, would have. The problem was that at the time Israel became a nation, there was a lot of, Jew, or a lot of Arabs that said, no, we're not taking citizenship. <laughs> that was the dumbest decision they ever made. And what did they do? They all ran down to Gaza. Gaza became a refugee camp, fully funded, fully supported by the Israeli people. We have this refugee camp, and now it's full of a bunch of people that just hate the Jews. You can have full citizenship. You can start a business. You can run. You can, you can run for office. You can be voted in. You can have your kids go to our schools, and they don't want it. Now, people have asked, well, Pastor, you think it'd be solved, the problem would be solved if the Palestinians had their own state? No, I don't think they, they would. Um, the, the Arab people have been offered uh, five different times to have their own state, and five different times they've said no. The leadership of, of, of Hamas, the leadership of the PLO, rejected the offer five times. It probably wouldn't work anyways. Let me just ask this question, and we have to hurry up and get done here, because I have all this history to talk about. Why don't you think, now just think for a minute, why don't you think if you were an Arab living in Gaza or living in the West Bank, why don't you think, why, why wouldn't you take, you've been offered five times to have your own state, five times. No, 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 no. Why wouldn't you take the, the offer to have your own state? Why do they keep saying no? Think about this just for a minute. If you're an Arab, why would you keep saying no to having your own state? Why, why isn't there just another state? Just call it. Arab country. Call it whatever. Why wouldn't they do it? You want to know why you wouldn't do it? Because you lose the victim card the minute, the minute you take it. You're not a victim anymore. Gaza, you're on your own. <laughs> right now, we give you water. We give you electricity. We supply your food. We educate you. We protect you. We have, you know, blah, 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 blah. But the moment you get rid of that victim card, the moment you take on, on you know, your own thing, you have to, you got to stand up and pull your pants up by yourself, put your shoes on by yourself, and now you have to do it, Right? And that's a stinking lot of work and a stinking lot of time and a, you know, a headache. So they lose the victim card when you have to stand on your own two feet. I don't think they'll ever take it because, because they, they want to be the victim. Israel doesn't want another Lebanon. It doesn't want another Syria. Those are extremely failed countries. And they're surrounded by all these failed states of Arabs. And they just they don't want another one. Uh, and I doubt that the Arabs will ever take it because why wouldn't it doesn't even make sense. Why don't they just move everybody from Gaza into Egypt or Lebanon or Syria? I mean, it's all run by Arabs. Just come out of here and just live here for free. I mean, why don't they just do that? I mean, they could just do it, but they don't want it because it's more fun to be uh, a victim. And it's more fun to kind of always have that complaint. So that's why Egypt doesn't just take them all in. They just take everybody from Gaza in. No, because we want to stay here and be the victim. We want our families killed. We want to be in the news. We want people to, to see this plight. So um, it's just kind of a crazy thing. Um, and then I got to say this too. Uh, what happened with, with a couple weeks ago, what happened with the, the attack? Was it a failure of the Mossad? I heard this this week also. Um, I heard someone say it was, it's a conspiracy theory. 
And the reason that the Jews let uh, Hamas come in and attack their people was so that the Jews could go into Gaza and uh, commit genocide and just wipe out the entire thing. No, the Jews aren't that type of people. The Jews wouldn't go in there to do genocide. The Jews, don't, the Jews don't need to have killed a thousand of their own people to do that. If the Jews wanted to wipe out Gaza, they could do it in about nine seconds. It wouldn't take anything to get rid of the whole place. Um, I don't buy that it's a cover-up. I don't buy that it's a conspiracy theory. Church, I stay away from conspiracy theories. I just don't think it's the right thing. Uh, what happened, I don't know. Will we ever find out? Probably not. Did they just literally make a mistake or, or, or were they falling asleep on the job? I have no idea. Um, it just, I, I just don't, I don't buy into conspiracy theories. Um, here's what we're going to do as a church. We're going to keep just focusing on this book. How does that sound? Does that sound good? We're going to go into all the world and do what? Okay. Um, let me ask you a question, and, and let's be done. If it is a conspiracy, the Jews have a conspiracy theory. They let Hamas come in, kill a couple thousand own people so that they can go into, into, into Gaza and wipe out those people. If it's a conspiracy theory. Let me just ask you a question. Or let's back up. Is Joe Biden really our president? Some of you are shaking your heads. Yeah. <laughs> is Trump still the president? You know? Is it a conspiracy theory? Okay, I'm going to ask you three questions. First question. If it is a conspiracy theory, if it is a conspiracy theory, here's the first question. What are you going to do about it? Nothing. <laughs> what, what, okay, it's a conspiracy. Let's say it is a conspiracy theory. What are you going to do about it? You're going to do nothing about it. Number two, if it is a conspiracy theory, as a Christian, what is your job? To do what? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Conspiracy theory or not, you still got your marching orders, okay? So, Joe, I, heard, I heard a pastor that Joe Biden's not the president. I just wanted to call him and say, shut your mouth. It's not your job, okay? It's not, it's not your job. Um, well, let me ask this question. <laughs> was there conspiracy theories in the time of Jesus? Think. I think there was. Yeah, think about the very last thing, the very last court case Jesus was in. <laughs> Give us Barabbas. He's innocent. There. Take that guy, kill him. That's a conspiracy theory right there. Jesus was part of it. And I mean, he was there. You know, so what's our job? Our job is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, unless there's a conspiracy theory, unless there's something you haven't heard about in Fox News, then go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Is that what it says? No. There will be conspiracies. There will be secret things. There will be stuff we don't know about. Uh, stuff that gets us frustrated, stuff that sits there and, yeah, I can't believe that happened. But it did. My job is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Okay? Um, we're going to pray for the Jewish people, but we are also praying for the Palestinians. Okay? We are praying for the Arabs. Absolutely. God loves them just as much as anybody else. Don't, don't get in your mind that, well, you know, God only likes the Jews and God doesn't like the Arabs. What? No, no, no. Jesus died for all people. He loves them just as much. Dark wicked environment, terrible cultural thing. It, they're, they're without Christ. They, they, you know, it's just awful. The whole thing's a disaster, but we pray for all people. We are very interested in you and your spiritual growth. 
If you want to contact Dayspring for prayer or more information, you can reach us at 262-404-5092 or on the web at dayspringbaptist.com. Thanks for listening.